Welcome to the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, helping you conquer the chaos in your life. Your host is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Dr. Colleen has been doing what she does for almost two decades. She's a private practice owner, a chaostician, and her work or writing has been featured on countless websites. Listen in as she brings you experts in the psychology of life. They may be New York Times bestsellers, key players in their profession, or people who have overcome tremendous obstacles in life and are here to share their story to help you live your best life. Let's get to it. Stay tuned for our next Chaos Crushing guest. Here is your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Hi, it's Colleen here, and I am so glad that as you get through whatever obstacles are being presented to you throughout this time, that you are making the time to check out this episode. I do hope that it brings you a little financial hope for the future right now and that it inspires you. My guest is Todd Tresseter of FinancialMentor.com. Now, Todd was a hedge fund manager, and they just like, I don't know, I can never conceptualize just how much money they actually manage. But he did that, and he got frustrated just making the rich get richer. So he set up FinancialMentor.com website as an educational site because he wanted his investment strategy and wealth planning knowledge to be accessible to everyone. I mean, he was successful. Why not help others be just as successful? Todd truly believes that anyone and everyone can be a master of planning and saving for their retirement. He also firmly believes that educating people about the investments needs to be separate from the sales process. You know, the stock sites that you might know of that are pretty popular. They educate you and then you go, yes, I want to buy that product. Oh, and look, they have that product. Well, he wants that to be a separate venture. So when you go to financialmentor.com, you won't be sold any investment products on the site, nor is there any advertising for any. Like he doesn't partner with different stock apps or financial planning apps. You know, I actually... I think if you listen to the show and you hear the different financial people who come on, you have an idea that I'm kind of fascinated with it. I still feel really confused when it comes down to how to plan for the future, but I'm trying my best. And so when I found Todd through one of his six best-selling books, I went to his site and downloaded his article, How Anyone Can Retire in 10 Years. So I downloaded that just wanting to like read that. I'm like, well, out of any of his articles, that was the one that spoke to me because I wanted to find out how can I do that. So in doing that, I also got access to all sorts of free e-learning and audio courses. He just gives them out. So I'm really excited to get into it and see how I can apply his strategies to my future. So among other things that I chat with Todd about, we discuss why accurate estimating is one of the keys to retirement planning success. And we also talk about if there's a magical number somebody needs to retire. You know, I grew up kind of hearing that there was this one number that everybody needed if you were going to retire at 65. And like, that's just not true. We're all individuals. We all live different lifestyles. So we're all going to have a different number. But you're going to hear what he has to say about that. And then he tells us the five questions that he says everyone must ask themselves when looking to plan their retirement funding. 
Todd is so energetic and you can just tell that he absolutely loves educating people about their finances. I saw a line on his website something like, life is for experiences, not planning. For as much as we get into talking about the math of the finances for a bit, Todd wants financial planning to be understood by everyone so that you can go out there and maximize those life experiences. So join me now as we get into this interview. Did you know that each time you enter Amazon to shop and you go in through my storefront at amazon.com slash shop slash Dr. Colleen Mullen, a small portion of everything you purchase for 24 hours goes to help support the cost of running this podcast. So go ahead, try it out. And while you're there, you'll also find some of my favorite self-care items along with the Coaching Through Chaos bookshelf where you'll find the books for every guest we've had along the way. Thanks so much for supporting the show. All right. So the book is How Much Money Do I Need to Retire? Uncommon Financial Planning Wisdom for a Stress-Free Retirement. So Todd Tresseter, thank you so much for being with me on the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. Colleen Mullen, thank you for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Great. So, you know, you're a former hedge fund manager and now a financial coach, and you set yourself up well in life uh, financially by the age of 35. You know, what were you finding out about the average person's readiness for retirement when you were working in the financial uh, management side of life? Well, the high end was fine. Preparing for retirement is not that hard. If you have a plan built on proper frameworks, proper principles, and you convert that into action steps, you can do fine. And so the upper end of the market was fine. It was the what I'll call the lower end of the market, common people on down. They weren't fine. They didn't understand the math. They didn't understand how to put it together. They didn't understand how to create a plan, what the principles were, the frameworks, how to how to convert it into actionable steps. And so that was that was when I converted my business. So uh, originally it was a coaching business and that's when I converted into books and courses so I could reach more people. So that that's partially why. I've known lots of people in the financial industry and they, they don't, they're not retired at 35. So, you know, what did you see going on that others in your field didn't see or couldn't figure it out? You know what I did? I, I understand, I'm I have a weird ability to translate math principles and concepts into action. So for me, I understood, I learned about compound returns early on. I learned about it in college and I took in a college investments course. And to me, the whole thing was just obvious. And so when I came out of school, I mean, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I had to work all my way through college and all that. I did not come from money. I'm not like some poor pauper kid. I had a nice middle-class upbringing, Mm -hmm. but I had to work my way through college and I had no money when I got out. All I had was debt. And, uh, and I just decided I didn't want to struggle with money. Um, I didn't want money to be a struggle the rest of my life. And so I figured as long as I had to lead an economic life, I would engineer it or design it to result in wealth. So you can you can design your life to result in anything you want. You can design it to be all fun and you know fun and play. You can design it to be a workaholic. You can design mm-hmm. it to result in financial freedom. And so I designed my life consciously and intentionally to result in financial freedom. And it turns out it's just not that hard. You know, you have to have the right frameworks. You have to have the right habits, and you have to have the I'm not going to call it discipline, but the persistence to get the result because it's not a straight up curve. You know, everybody has setbacks. There's always correct and adjust that you have to make. 
But if you persist and you keep going, that it's just not that hard to get there. And so I got there in 12 years and I could probably do it a lot better now, now that I know more because I made a lot of mistakes. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And I bet a lot of people listening are going to want to know what the secret is. And when you mention compound interest, I've been fascinated with it and I don't have the math skills. So I'm, I might uh, ask you some extra questions on that. Well, actually, I'll throw something in. You're not asking me this question, but let me throw it sure. in because it's a key point. And there's a thing I created called the life cycle of wealth. So the way the math plays out when you start, when you play with this stuff with it enough is that the early stage of your wealth building equation is dominated by your savings rate as a percent of your earned income. So the higher your savings rate, and again, this is all supported by research too, but it's, it's basically, it's math principles, but you look at the research, you'll see the same thing. So the early stage of your wealth building, it's the most important thing is your savings rate as a percent of your income. So how much you save relative to how much you make. Mm -hmm. And then the second half of your life cycle of wealth is your return on investment minus inflation. And so that sets you a life cycle or a curve of how you go about this. So in the early stage, you want to focus on increasing your earning capacity mm -hmm. and controlling your expenses to get a lot of savings created. And then in the second stage, you've got to prepare for it in advance by developing your investment skills in order to get a solid compound return net of inflation. Because at some point, the return on your investment exceeds your ability to save anymore. And at that point, your savings are no longer that important. This book got me kind of Googling around different calculators, which I, I saw in your book that you have a lot to say about certain ways to calculate retirement planning. And they they were pretty dismal as far as like how long I might live with if I keep saving at the rate that I'm at. So I'm going to look more into how I can maximize what's happening uh, because I'm playing catch up like many people are in the second, we'll say the second half of life. Yeah. So there's a great workaround for that. So in the course I have, I teach a thing called the advanced planning framework, right? So, so far, all we've talked about is traditional financial planning framework, right? Which is how you save your way to wealth, right? So you earn the money, you save it after, you, you know, you spend what you need to support your lifestyle, you pay your taxes, and then you save from what's left over, if anything, right? Mm -hmm. And then that savings then compounds and becomes wealth. So that's the traditional financial plan. There's another thing I call the advanced planning framework, which is where you use alternative asset classes. In this case, it's real estate and business entrepreneurship, and you literally create equity. So what you do is you get around the savings requirements, and that's how you get people. And again, this is intuitive once you hear it, right? Like if you look at how do people become wealthy in their 30s or their 20s, when other people are still trying to get started on a savings account, right? And you've got these self-made millionaires in their 20s. It's always business entrepreneurship, yeah, right? It's that, that's always the answer. And that's because there's literally unlimited return on equity. You're literally creating equity out of thin air. You're not saving your way there. There's another framework that goes outside of the conventional financial planning framework that you can use. It's not in the book, but it is in my course. Mm -hmm. Ultimately the way wealth works or financial independent works, which is what we're talking about here, right? Because yeah. retirement is just a euphemism for old age financial independence. Uh -huh. But the reality is you can have financial independence at any age, right? You can have it at age 20, you can have it at 40, you can have it at 60, you can never attain it. And so the math is always the same. It's a financial freedom math. And so what I'm talking about is an equity growth equation because ultimately financial freedom is the cash flow that your equity throws off exceeding your expenses, Mm, okay. Right. So yeah. there's different ways to grow equity, right? So 
your cash flow is a relationship to your equity and there's different ways to grow equity. There's the traditional way, which is to save it and compound it. And then there's non-traditional ways or the advanced planning framework, which is where you create out of thin air using the, the business asset class, or you have leverage strategies in the real estate asset class. I always think about uh, real estate and gosh, if I had only when I was 25 and had an opportunity, but um, what's wrong and what's broken with the traditional way of planning for retirement? Well, there's a lot of things. First of all, it's the assumptions, right? Okay. You know, I came at this a little different than most people. I was in the hedge fund business and I was doing financial modeling of, of investment risk management strategies. So I had a little bit of background on what is a valid approach to modeling and what isn't. And so when I saw the traditional modeling, I was just stunned, you know, because the assumptions they have can't possibly be made. And we'll probably talk about that more in in the interview. Mm -hmm. Another problem is what we just talked about, which is that assumes equity growth is just from what you can save. But there's other ways to build equity, right? And they're much faster and they're more efficient. If you actually look at how most wealth is built, you'll find it's from the non-traditional approach. The traditional approach is actually an anomaly. Uh-huh. And then it also assumes one type of portfolio, right? It assumes that you're going to use a conventional paper asset portfolio of stocks and bonds using conventional asset allocation. And that's very self-serving for the financial planning industry, but it's actually very limiting in terms of the growth rate. It's There's strict mathematical limitations to how it can grow, whereas there are no mathematical limitations on how you can grow wealth through real estate or business. And I'm not saying that one's right or better or you know, anything. It, they're all different, and they have different principles or different properties. And so a smart wealth plan, you use them in different ways depending on your personal situation. So what I don't want people to walk away from is this idea that, oh, Todd's all about real estate and business. No, no, no. I, I mean, I've got clients who did their wealth plan using conventional paper assets on a buy and hold because that worked perfectly for them and it's passive and it's easy. Right. Because there's going to be a lot of people that just don't have that entrepreneurial bug or yeah. or desire even. Yeah. So they need to know that there's still a way for them to have something getting them ready for retirement. Yeah. Flip side is you might have a school teacher who just barely makes enough to get by, mm-hmm. but happens to have summers off and has great handyman skills and could build wealth doing real estate repairs, you know, building up a real estate cash flow portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so that might work for them. So the key is you have to understand the principles of the asset class. Then you have to look at your situation. You want to match them up like Velcro, like the hooks and loops on Velcro so they stick. And that's how you get a wealth plan that'll work for you. I'm hoping that people are just kind of rethinking how they are doing things right now. I mean, by the time that this hits the air, we will probably, hopefully, be starting to see our economy coming back to life, starting from the ground up, maybe. And I'm hoping that people, as they hear this, start thinking, well, what could I do differently this time with my money so that if a disaster hits, I might be better prepared or I might have some way of not feeling so helpless financially. And I really uh, think that there's a lot of of great information in what you have to offer everybody. And you talk about these assumptions and rather um, you say that financial security is that the past is about assumptions rather than accurate estimating. What does that mean? You know, in the plainest way to explain it. The issue is that there's solutions around the assumptions problem, I think is what you're really looking for. Mm. One thing you can do is you can change. So in other words, like, let's say that 
your your plan isn't working, right? You took a setback in the economic setback here. You're a little behind schedule. One of the things you can do to solve the problem is you can change your spending assumptions. There's a thing called the rule of 300, which is for every thousand dollars that you you need to spend per month, it's three hundred thousand dollars in assets to support that. And the slightly more conservative view is it's four hundred thousand in assets to support one thousand a month in spending. So that's a rule of 300, rule of 400. Wow. Most people find it a lot easier to figure out how to live happily ever after on $1,000 less a month than they do figure out how to save $400,000 after taxes. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, and so there's a whole section in the book about life planning and about how you find happiness. And in a nutshell, what you want to do is you want to focus on the big expenses first, like housing, you know, where you live, what lifestyle you pursue. There's a lot of ways to do it where you don't sacrifice lifestyle at all. You know, for example, rather than live in a McMansion in uh, an expensive area of the country on one of the coasts, mm-hmm. you could live out of a motorhome and go fishing and skiing all year round. I mean, that's that could be really fun. That could be a very different lifestyle. And it's a lot less expensive. People travel the world year round for less than what they li- they can live on at home. Um, So it doesn't have to mean a cut in lifestyle. It can mean improved lifestyle and living your dreams while spending less, but you just have to be clever with it. Right. And I'm hearing you say too, it also takes kind of knowing what you want your lifestyle to be because some people are just kind of keep working and working, thinking that they're going to get to where they want to be and their lifestyle. But also looking at what do you want to have go on in your life? How do you want to live is important because then you can start to look at how do you plan for that life? And is there ways, as you said, like right now you could have some of that in some way. What I always say is that you want to focus on what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. So much of what we do in life is just established patterns. You know, we just buy off on a lot of beliefs and established patterns without really questioning what would really make me happy. When people really think about it, what is it? It's a comfortable chair, a comfortable bed, you know, nice location, free time to do what you want. It doesn't take that much money, really. Uh, it takes more freedom and autonomy and things that aren't necessarily paid for. Yeah. And I think how you mentioned, you know, kind of looking at how and where people are choosing to live is is a big factor in that as well, as far as how well they can live based on how much they're making and saving. Another way you can close the gap is changing your equity accumulation assumptions. So for example, you know, you think that you have to save your way there. And so you plot out this path that looks like it's never, ever going to end. Whereas you might realize, oh my gosh, I have this little side hustle business, this little passion project that I've always wanted to do. And you do it on the side a little bit. And before you know it, you're making a couple thousand a month. And then you play the lifestyle adjustment game and you realize, my gosh, I could be free right now doing exactly what I want to do. And it maybe it only takes you a few months to get to that point because you rethought the entire process. And so what happens is people get stuck in this pattern of, you know, traditional thinking of I'm supposed to amass this mountain of money mm-hmm. and have it invested by this genius asset allocation from this advisor who's telling me about this mountain of money I'm supposed to get. When in fact, none of that's true at all. There may be a whole different way. So I call that, I call that the new retirement. And it's the idea that you insert a whole pattern in your life that's different where, you know, Normally, it's birth, school, work, death, right? And then so between work and death, you insert a period called fulfillment where you pursue a life that's really fulfilling 
and you don't have to make a ton of money at it. You just have to cover the bills and allow what you already amassed earlier on to compound and grow. I totally agree with that. I've seen people make those changes myself and live a different quality of life. And so I hope some people are getting inspired by that. You talk about five essential questions that a person should ask themselves in getting ready to retire. One of the questions is, when will you die? And like, how much investment income can you expect? Wouldn't somebody need like an advisor to help them with that? Or are there easy ways to be taught how to figure these things out? I mean, how would they know when they die? Is that an estimate in their life of their family? How would that question be answered? I mean, that was one of the reasons I wrote the book is because what the traditional advice profession was saying was simply incorrect. Basically, what you're doing is you're addressing all the assumptions required to do the calculation of how much money you need to retire, right? But the calculation is nothing more than a projection of assumptions you put in the calculator, right? So it's garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. And so all these assumptions are required by the calculator to do its magic. Now, when you sit down from across from a financial planner, they'll usually have a prescribed set of assumptions that they follow and they'll adjust them based on your input. What the book does is it goes through and explains exactly how to address those issues. So, for example, if you go to a financial planner, most financial planners will assume 3% for inflation. Um, Why do they do that? Because that's the long-term historical number. Now, common sense would tell you that's not likely to carry forward in the future. If you look at the government's indebtedness, that never existed in the past. And the ability of the government to repay the debt is mathematically impossible at this point. And so they have to default. It's just a question of which way they default, whether they do it avert default versus in kind. And so historically, any government that has its debt in its own currency will default through inflation. So they'll inflate it out of existence. So that tells you that the 3% inflation assumption back when the country didn't have massive indebtedness problems is probably not a logical assumption going forward, nor is an investment strategy that isn't designed to profit from inflation. And so what the book does is it walks you through these assumptions, whether it's inflation or your investment return, your life expectancy, and it tells you a couple different solutions. It tells you the conservative solution. It tells you a range of plausible assumptions, and it shows you how to model those in the calculator so that you can work with it intelligently. As you go through the book, like you really start looking and going, oh, can I, how do I calculate this? And you start playing with the numbers. It's really a great uh, work through. Is there a magical number that if somebody reaches it, they can be financially secure? No. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I figured you might say. (laughs) The problem is, I mean, that's the classic myth, right? Is that there's some magical number yeah, and that it's some set it and forget it process. Like, you know, you show up to your financial planner 20 years ago, you know, and (laughs) he or she gives you this magical number and then you save your way to it for 20 years and then you retire and you're fine. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, The way I teach it is that retirement planning done correctly is an iterative process. You're constantly going back and questioning your assumptions based on the actual reality you produced during that time. So you can see, because see what happens, it's like a guided missile heading towards its target, right? Mm-hmm. When you set off that guided missile and it's, you know, intercontinental ballistic missile, whatever it is, it's off target most of the time. And yet it hits its target very accurately. How does it do that? It corrects and adjusts throughout flight, all kinds of little micro adjustments, micro corrections until it finally hits the target with precision. That's how retirement planning works. That's how you reduce the risk of outliving your savings. That's how you reduce the risk of undersaving is you correct and adjust throughout the flight path. 
And people can correct and adjust at almost any time in their work life, correct? In order to kind of get themselves better prepared for retirement. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You should, I mean, the earlier you get the base knowledge, the earlier you can work with this intelligently. Again, that was why I wrote the book is, you know, how it's being taught is really quite dangerous. What I, what I call it is it's a half truth, right? It's a conditional half truth. It's a very narrow scope of reality and you need a broader scope of reality. You need to understand how this really works. Well, and just like many things, I mean, just because we do something some way for many years, it doesn't mean it's the only way to do it. Yeah. And I think knowledge is expanded. You know, we've got more data, we've got more understanding, there's been more research done and we just start learning more and more. And from that, it doesn't make any sense to keep antiquated models as, as what governs our, our, how we work. I'm going to ask you to share a story or two with us, if you could. In the book, there's a chapter on valuations. And I think that that's a term, if you're not familiar with investing and money, like that feels like a foreign word. So can you talk about like what that actually means? And then you were saying uh, that valuations can make or break retirement. And you did give a couple of great examples in the chapter in the book. Can you give us some stories of how planning the right way and whatever this valuation speaks to can help a person get ahead, whereas they might not in another situation? Everybody is born a market timer. We are all market timers by birthright because the date you retire is determined by the date you were born more or less, right? You have flexibility within it. The story gives examples of two different people retiring at two different times with two different plans. Mm -hmm. So one was a woman who saved like crazy and put everything in the stock market starting around 1980. And it was just pure luck of the draw. She happened to read an article that stocks had the highest return. Mm -hmm. And so she said, well, fine, then that's what I'll invest in. I got a long-term time horizon. And she worked for a very good company that had a very good uh, plan. It's actually one of the most successful stocks on the New York Stock Exchange for the last uh, 50 years. And she worked there. Uh And so she had a lucrative profit-sharing plan through that stock. She saved everything else in stock. And she retired at the very beginning of 2000, right at the exact market top. And I kid you not, this is actually a real person. Mm -hmm. And so she saved for the entire bull market, retired within a few months at the start of 2000. And because I happen to know her and work with her, and she had a very smart financial advisor as well, and both of our viewpoints corroborated, she shifted a lot of her portfolio at retirement from stocks to real estate. She had some income producing real estate, and she had a bunch of bonds. And so when the market crashed in 2000, 2001, 2002 came, uh, she was fine. She didn't even hiccup. And it was pure luck, pure luck, birthright, market timing. Uh-huh. Take an, and she was just in the right place at the right time with the lucky strategy. And then we had another example of another person who had built his wealth in the tech industry during the tech bubble mm-hmm. and was financially independent, comfortably, but insisted on continuing to be invested in the tech bubble. And he was a coaching client of mine at the time. And we rolled up to the 2000 top and I was coaching him on the extreme risk uh, based on valuations, that there's a direct relationship between the valuation of an asset and the expected return. Now, this is common sense to most people, but they somehow forget it with investing, right? So, you know, if you go and you can buy two rolls of tape. They're identical rolls of masking tape. Mm-hmm. And one sells for one third as much as the other does. And they're identical rolls of masking tape. Which one are you going to buy? The cheaper the one. The cheaper one. 
Right. Right. But for some reason on stocks, people fail to get the connection when in fact the connection's even tighter, right? Because the value of an equity is just, a, this is a fancy economic term, but it's, it's how it's done. It's the discount present value of its cash flows. And the way that math works is it's, it's a valuation concept. It's how you value it. That's why like price earnings ratio is a measure of value of the stock market. It's the price you pay for the earnings, right? That's another way to think discount present value of cash flows. And everybody knows that, you know, like here's the common sense one that people can relate to. If you had a property that rents for $1,000 a month, right? Investment property rents for $1,000 a month and you paid $30,000 for that, that would seem like a pretty good deal, right? Because it pays for itself and its rental value in less than three years. Sure. Now take the same property and you paid $700,000 for it. <laughs> yeah. Not very smart. Well, all we're doing is relating the price you pay to the cash flows. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, the stock market, people don't get the connection, right? And yet the connection is mathematically valid. If you look at the research, you'll see it. Well, this other client, Greg, he ignored, uh, actually, he was upset by the advice because he had, he had made his wealth in the tech bubble. And all he knew was tech stocks. He'd grown up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he had invested heavily in tech stocks. And so he fired me as his coach. <laughs> and within months, the tech bubble burst. And last I heard, he had had to go back to work and was still working. He had to make up for all his losses because he lost like 80%, 90% of his net worth in just a few months. And sadly, I, there's a lot of people out there like that, that, that just kind of keep making and, and then it, it goes away and making it and goes away. And there's something missing in holding on to it. I can tell you what's missing. It's risk management. And that has to do, again, it's a math principle. It's how the wealth, it's how ma um, wealth compounds. There's math behind it. And again, it's a fancy term, but the, the returns are asymmetric. And so you have to understand how the math works, the math principle, and you have to connect it back to proper practices. And so risk management is one of those practices. Stable wealth requires a very high focus on risk management, and there's ways to do that. So what do you think it is that has people just kind of throwing that out the window? Is it really just about like this, this thing is going to make me, make me rich? Uh, are people still out for like the quick, the quick bang and return on their, on their money? Well, it's different for every person, but ultimately it goes back to the beginning of our conversation, which it has to do with your knowledge, how much you have learned, how much you understand that guides your decisions. If you understand these principles, you don't make these foolish mistakes. If you don't understand these principles, then you're going to be making decisions that are not going to have what I call in retirement positive mathematical expectancy, Right. And so if, if you don't know how to make positive expectancy bets consistently, you don't know how to manage risk, you're going to have trouble. It's just, you're going to get random results and it's not going to come out right. And so you have to understand and educate yourself on how to do stuff. And it's not complex. I mean, I don't think I've said anything in here that's really complex. I mean, I've thrown out a couple of terms that are descriptive, but all of it's really intuitive and really easy to understand when it's explained properly. Mm -hmm. And it's very actionable. And so that's the key is you have to develop this knowledge and this knowledge expresses itself through your actions and through your decisions, which then show up as improved financial results. Building anything takes new action, right? So, so they've got to take some new action um, to get things going forward. All right, Todd, um, as we wrap this up, is there anything else that you want people to know about planning for their retirement that could take away some of the stress that they, that they feel when they think about that subject? 
Yeah, the stress isn't going to help. I mean, just you have to develop the the knowledge around the correct principles, how to apply them, and then take action. It's not rocket science. It can be done in a relatively short period of time. Uh, as I teach it, anybody can be financially independent in seven to 15 years. Mm. And so the math is there. It's very doable. I'm not saying it's easy, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. But it is achievable and the math proves it. It's just a question of what you want to focus on. If you want that freedom and that's a focus for you, you can create it. It's within your capability. If you don't want to, then that's okay. You can go live your life some other way. <laughs> and so that's kind of the closing message is it's up to you. It's your choice. You know, whether you learn, if you want to learn this stuff and apply it and get the results, then it's all accessible to you. With that being said, if you are getting inspired to start learning, how to think differently about planning your retirement. You know, if you're quick, you can reach out to me. I'm going to take the first person to reach out through uh, through a DM, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, uh, and letting me know that they listen to this episode and I can offer you or I'm going to send you one free copy of the book. And with the book, you also get a free downloadable PDF, a guidebook for planning your retirement. So if you're getting inspired, you should definitely check out the book. If you act fast, you can get a free copy from me. And we will also have the book on the Coaching Through Chaos bookshelf page on the website. But Todd, why don't you uh, tell me, you mentioned some classes and things that you have going on. Can you talk about how people can find you and the kinds of offerings that you have for them? The website is financialmentor.com. That's two words mashed together, financial and then mentor.com. So financialmentor.com. And that's the home for everything I do. So, um, or the hub, I should say, of everything mm-hmm. I do. There's social media outlets and stuff, but focus on the website. There's like one of the largest collections of financial calculators on the internet. Cause as I pointed out, wealth is math mm-hmm. and most people don't like math. So I have calculators that do all the math for you for free. <laughs> and then I also have like over a thousand printed pages of education, totally free on the website. Uh, there's free ebooks, there's paid ebooks, and there's a paid course called Expectancy Wealth Planning, which is like kind of the compendium. It's the, it's like a master's class in uh, wealth planning and how you put it together. And it's, it's a funny thing because it's like this, you know, it's not a cheap course. It's a thousand bucks, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's there's no way it's not going to put more money in your pocket than it costs. And yeah, it's easy for me to say. One of these days, I'll figure out how to convey it in a way that people actually get it. You know, Todd, people are paying a lot more for something with a lot less end value. So hopefully, uh, once they check out the website, they see that as as a worthy investment for themselves for their future. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I look at what I pay for my daughter's college courses and I kind of laugh. It's a bargain. <laughs> right. So well, I want to thank you so much. It's been uh, definitely an information-filled episode that had, the book had me inspired to start looking at how I'm saving now that I have started saving over the last few years and, and getting my, my head around while I need to be responsible and get ready for retirement. And I can't wait to kind of dive into it a little bit more. And I'd love to hear how, how you, the listener are connecting with it as well. Once you get your hands on the book. So thanks so much, Todd Tresseter for being with me on the coaching through chaos podcast. Thank you, Colleen. Now, I know that was a lot to take in, but don't worry. 
Todd's website is chock full of free articles and actual courses that are waiting for you for free over at financialmentor.com. You can also find Todd's books. Of course, you can find them on his website. Or the next time you check out the Coaching Through Chaos bookshelf over at coachingthroughchaospodcast.com. Remember, you can find all of the books of all of the authors that have ever been on the show over on my Amazon bookshelf page. But you can get there through coachingthroughchaos.com. Next up in three weeks, we have Dr. Kelly Palfi. She is a former law enforcement officer in Canada who has become a therapist. She has a passion for helping men overcome trauma from sexual abuse. It's a subject that's not often talked about, and when it is, it is often shut down quickly. I do hope that you join me to hear just how important it is to destigmatize this trauma so that less men suffer in silence. Before I go, I just want to remind you that as of October 1st, if you've been enjoying this show, I am launching the Coaching Through Chaos Patreon page. At Patreon, for a very small monthly donation, like we're talking less than $10 a month, you can access three self-help-focused audio recordings to help you navigate and conquer the chaos in your life even easier. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a website where you can help support creative ventures like podcasts, artists, independent filmmakers, all sorts of creative people. I waited a long time to launch this as I wanted to make sure that I found something of value I can give you that would be worth it for you to invest in. I spent five years producing this show, shining a light on the voices that I think should be heard. I want to thank you for that and give back to you with a little piece of my expertise in human behavior and relationships. I can't wait to share these recordings with you. And please feel free to email me or DM me on social media with any topics that you'd like to better understand in the world of human behavior and relationships. I will be happy to cover them for you. Okay, let me take a second to thank my audio editor, Steve Cosio, over at Podcast Mansfield. He is doing a bang-up job and certainly has lightened my workload. I'll meet you back here in three weeks, but if you want to say hi in between or send me one of those DMs about one of those topics you want covered on the self-help recordings I'm going to make over on Patreon, you can find me on the socials. I'm at Dr. Colleen Mullen. All right. Until then, keep kicking the chaos out of your life. Take care. Take care.